Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Elise, just a black girl out here trying to help everyone do better, including and especially herself. Hey guys, welcome back to the show, or if you're new here, hi, hello, and welcome. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're feeling well. I hope you're being well. Um, nothing personally to report, you know, same as last week, which was same as the week before. Um, we are in full prep mode for my employer, Emery Annette, to turn, <laughs> to turn one. Um, and so I'm thinking about birthday parties and how to have a safe birthday party at the times of the global panini and what's the best way to do that and try not to get in all of my feelings because I literally had my entire pregnancy and, you know, my baby's gender reveal and then what else? Uh, the baby shower and then gave birth and then all of her beginnings, all of her firsts, um, very, very isolated. Um, we're looking at scheduling uh, a time with our church to have her dedicated. Um, and, you know, the fact that it's going to be very different from how I envisioned it. You know, how I envisioned it originally was me with my daughter and my husband, well, b before she was born, you know, the way I envisioned it was us with our child. It wasn't, I didn't know what we were having. Um, but the way I envisioned it was us, you know, amongst other new parents with their babies standing in front of the altar, like so many other parents have done. Um, and, and, you know, the pastor going through the ceremony and, you know, just a, just a really beautiful time. My family being there, as many people who could be there as possible, um, packing out our own little section and just acting ridiculous afterwards and everybody taking pictures and, you know, maybe going to dip, um, brunch afterwards or like doing something small afterwards with like refreshments and stuff. But yeah, um, during the time of the global pan pizza, we, that's not safe that's not doable um maybe I'll take another time or maybe I'll put this on the blog about how I'm combating feeling robbed by this pandemic because to be fair there are so many people who are in way worse positions and I get that but not even just that like just being grateful for what I'm experiencing what I'm living through um and how we are even you know with these experiences that you know we won't have and you know making the memories and making new traditions and stuff like that just combating feeling robbed you know of the experiences that I thought I was going to have um I get it man I get it so yeah yeah, um, that's how we're doing this week. I didn't expect to say all of that. Um, and I'm combating right now deleting this portion of the podcast, but I feel like I'm going to leave it because transparency. Um, I probably need to journal about this. Um, anyway, 
that's me personally. <laughs> uh, let's get into the episode, last week's episode. We talked about the big problems at UMass um, Amherst, which I still have not heard any resolution about. Still haven't heard if they're actually doing an investigation, if the investigation is underway. Um, I know it was only like a week and a half ago, but tell me something. Tell me something. Um, why Ellen Pompeo should have kept quiet and just sat there at her rice. Um, because she's still, to this day, still getting dragged all across the, the socials. People be just saying crazy stuff on podcasts. Um, and that might be the theme of this week's episode <laughs> for some other people who have opened their mouths on podcasts and they really should have just sat there and ate their rice. Anyway, Ellen Pompeo. Uh, we talked about what's going on with Will Smith. Um, some interesting takes that he had from his interview in GQ and why they're important. Um, books that you would have never guessed were banned because last week was banned books week. Um, and what the R. Kelly verdict means to actual victims and how our reactions to it either encourage, embolden, or terrify People who have experienced that type of abuse. Um, it's a really good episode. Um, apparently you guys like it. So y'all enjoy last week's episode. Um, but without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Let's get into the church announcements. Hit it, Earl. Let the people of the reclaim say amen. Glad to be here. Say amen again. And say amen one more time if you really like the show. We glad that y'all here today and... These will be your church announcements. All right, let's dive into these church announcements. So y'all remember back in the intro where I said certain people need to keep their mouth shut and just eat their rice. When was the last time y'all thought about Katie Couric? You know, she was on the Today Show, journalist. We've seen her, you know, not really making too much news, but you know, definitely reporting the news. Um, I personally can't remember a scandal that Katie Couric herself was involved in. Um, and right now I feel somebody queuing up Google right now to say like, Hey, this is what you did. I do, I'm saying off top, off top of memory. Um, I can't remember, but Katie Couric apparently wants to stir the pot and guess who she chose. Guess who she chose to stir the pot with. None other than Denzel Washington. I don't know what's going on with white women wanting to say bad things about the Denzel Washington that aren't really bad things. And it makes them and it ends up making them look worse than they actually looked before. And I told y'all last week, there's there's several people that you can't touch, according to black culture. Denzel is one of them. Denzel's one of them. I also didn't realize, interestingly enough, that, and this is not on the rundown, that Denzel Washington has a, has a, has some work out. Like he has, I think it's called the tragedy of Macbeth. And that's getting like the coveted 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's getting incredible reviews. It's getting a lot of publicity. Um, and I'm, it sucks because I guess I'm like, I haven't seen any of this publicity, but okay. But apparently it's amazing and he's amazing in it. I saw him 
what was that? I'm trying to remember what this was. It was a, it was another Shakespearean, um, adaptation. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but he was significantly younger and he was amazing in that. Um, and he wasn't like one of the, he wasn't like one of the dramatic characters. He was like, kind of like the, the stable character. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, it escapes me. Uh, but Denzel and Shakespeare makes sense to me. So apparently that's doing really well. And that could be why all of these weird ladies who could have kept their stories to themselves because there's no story in these stories. And you'll hear what I'm talking about when I talk about, um, when I talk about Katie in a sec, none of these stories are stories like Alan Pompeo just made herself look like a raging Karen. You know, she's, she's having an emotional moment during her, during her episode of, of Grey's Anatomy and she's trying to direct her other actor and Denzel did the right thing. He said, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not the director here today. I'm the director. And instead of being like humbled and be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I was just caught up in the moment, you know, actor stuff. She doubled down and cussed him out. And then what I found out was it got worse. She apparently met Pauletta, Denzel's wife, and continued the diatribe to tell, like, pulled her aside to see if she would, like, side with her. Um, ma'am, you are a white woman talking to a black woman about her black-ass husband. Unless it's, like, egregious, we're not going to listen. Not only are we not going to listen to you, we're not going to defend you. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Do you know how, do you know how many lives, how many, how many jobs have been lost? How many lives have been lost at the hands of a white woman and what she had to say about a black man? And here you go. And she doesn't even realize her racial privilege. That's the interesting thing. Not to make this a race thing, but let's make it a race thing. Um, which is, it's a very obvious race thing. She doesn't realize her racial privilege saying like she could like just cuss him out and then like tattle on him and do the whole white woman tears thing. And people were going to empathize and, and side with her. Honey, no, you were wrong in this. You were really, really wrong. And you know, if this was another time, like that could be really extremely detrimental to Denzel's like career, his legacy, but you had no tea. There was no tea there. You acted like an ass on, on set. You acted like a petulant child on set. And then you want us to sympathize with you and you went to his wife to tattle. What the hell? But anyway, we're not talking about Ellen. We're talking about Katie. So Katie decided that she was going to pipe up on the everything iconic with Danny Pellegrino podcast. Um, and I'm reading this per CNN. Uh, she said Denzel Washington made her feel uncomfortable. She said in an interview that she did, I believe in 2004, I don't see the date that she did this interview, um, that she did in the early 2000s. She said, Denzel, are you, do you, you know how some people say that Hollywood folks should just stick to acting? And Denzel responded, I don't know what Holly folks are, Hollywood folks are, first of all. Hollywood is a town that has some stars on the sidewalk. I don't know anyone from there. He added, I'm not a Hollywood folk. I don't know who they are. Katie tried to reframe the question a few times, including asking him, are you an actor or are you, I'm sorry, are you an actor who would rather not? But he cut her off. He said, 
I, no, I'm not either. I'm a human being first. Acting is my job. <sighs> Katie said to Pellegrino that she had felt, quote, shaken after her questions were, quote, misconstrued by Washington, who, quote, kind of jumped all over me. Y'all seeing, y'all seeing a pattern here? You're seeing a pattern here? Ellen said that he got all in her ass when he really just corrected her, right? Katie said that he kind of jumped all over me, but you asked a, let me start over. Ellen said that he jumped all over her when he was merely correcting her. And Katie said that he kind of jumped all over her when he was merely correcting her for a dumb question. That was a dumb question from a seasoned journalist. You're basically saying, should you just shut up and dribble to Denzel Washington? Because Denzel wanted to do other things. He wanted to direct. He wanted to write. He wanted to do other things. And you were trying to ask if he should just, you know, take the opinion of people that he doesn't know or care about to do his craft, to do the work of his life, the work that he loves. And now you're sitting here saying that he made you feel uncomfortable, sis. Not sis. You're not sis. Ma'am. Ma'am. She later added, quote, I don't think I said anything wrong. I don't know what happened. I love him. I admire him. He's one of my favorite actors. But I remember walking out and feeling really shaken that he had kind of gone after me in in a way I was um, in a way that I was completely weirdly that was completely weirdly uncalled for. You asked him if he should shut up and dribble. I think you're lucky that he didn't cuss you out. But you don't even recognize that you even did any wrong in the situation. And this situation happened almost 20 years ago. You haven't even had any like time to reflect, to think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have asked this amazing, talented black actor, hey, do you think you should just stick to acting instead of like wanting to direct or wanting to write or wanting to produce? The hell? The hell? And it's wild. It's wild that Katie says that she, that Denzel Washington, Denzel Washington made her feel uncomfortable because in her book, apparently she has a book coming out. It's called Going For It. Um, Because everybody has a book coming out. My goodness. I mean, I guess we have time to read books. We're all home or at least we should be. Um, But yeah, she said, it's very interesting that Denzel Washington made her feel uncomfortable, but she's friends with three different sexual predators, including Prince Andrew, allegedly Jeff Epstein allegedly and Matt Lauer allegedly I'm personally uncomfortable with her like I'm uncomfortable with Katie Couric like you're Denzel Washington corrected you for asking a dumb question and that made you feel uncomfortable it's like I don't know what people expect from a person like Denzel Washington you need to come correct or don't come at all and that's like a normal thing for actors of this caliber. Like if, if Anthony Hopkins had, um, act, had a, acted the same way, she wouldn't have said anything. This wouldn't even come up. She would have corrected herself. She would have apologized. Probably. She probably wouldn't have even asked the question. Should you just stick to acting instead of doing other things? What the hell? Have you lost your mind? Like that's not even a good question. And what what would the point of that question be? Like, what is the what is the goal? What are you trying to get out of asking him that question? Because working in media, you know, the 
the answers to the questions create the story. So what is the story that you're trying to create about Denzel Washington when you, when you are asking him, should he have just stuck to acting? I think you should have just stuck to better questions. That's wild. That's wild. Y'all need to leave Denzel Washington alone. Not, not Denzel. Mm -mm. And all of the tea that you're, you're trying to spill. It's, it's, it's not even, it's not even hot. It's not even, it, the water hasn't even changed color with that bag that you just dropped in there, ma'am. It's not, it just makes you look silly. And you pulling this whole, I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You see weaponizing fear. You see how weaponizing fear works and y'all regularly do it. Like it's something regularly that, that it's a, it's so regularly done. It's a trope, you know? Yeah, on in this case, no one was hurt, no one was harmed, no one's career was lost. But in worst case scenarios, the, people end up like Emmett Till, or the um, Exonerated Five, or God for so many, so many, so p the people of Rosewood, like the the people after the the Washington D.C. Um, riot, like weapon white women weaponizing their fear and weaponizing their tears actually causes problems and that's why people on twitter are dragging katie by her back teeth right now because saying it was uncalled for i was afraid i was left shaken when nothing actually happened maybe you were shaken because you were a piss poor journalist that day maybe you should have been shaken because you weren't doing your job talking to a incredible incredible artist maybe you should have been shaken when you found out that your friend Matt Lauer has gotten in some trouble allegedly maybe those were moments where you should have been shaken not after talking to Denzel Washington and he corrected you for acting asking something ridiculous next story let's talk about Sage Steele um for those who are unfamiliar with Sage Steele good for you but Sage Steele is a sports I don't know personality I don't know if I would call her a journalist at this point but she's a sports personality 48 year old divorced mother of three biracial um and apparently a apparently I don't know how to say this in a nice way so I'm just gonna say it she would make Uncle Ruckus look like Malcolm X yeah. So apparently Sage went on a podcast, went on Jay Cutler's podcast, um, ex-football player Jay Cutler, and they were talking about the things that they were talking about. Um, so the ESPN, at ESPN, to work at ESPN, just like you for any other network, um, you have to be vaccinated because we're in the middle of the global pando uh, pandemonium, right? So apparently that was like a big deal to her and she got really upset and she called ESPN's vaccine mandate sick. She said, quote, I respect everybody's decision. I really do. But to mandate, to mandate it is sick. And it's scary to me in many ways. I have a job, a job that I love and quite frankly, that I need. Um, then why bring this up? <laughs> why bring this up? Like why, if you need the job, why are you talking bad about your employers? That's the first thing. Second thing, I guess they somehow 
they I didn't listen to the podcast I'm just gonna be really honest I'm reading this as a transcript um somehow the two got on the topic of race and they were talking about like how Sage identifies and how you know because she's like I said she's biracial um and someone corrected her and said, you know, when you fill out your census, what, which do you pick? And she's like, why do I have to pick anything? She's like, I don't even remember the last time I filled out my census. This is a reminder that they, I, I believe they do the census regularly. Like, I remember filling out the census, was that last year? Um, they do the census regularly, so she should have done it recently, but no judgment. A lot of people forget. It's fine. Um, I mean, it helps fund what's going on in different communities. Uh, but whatever, fine, 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 Sage. Um, she then said something about former president Barack Obama and how Barack Obama identifies as black. And she said, quote, I'm like, well, congratulations to the president. That's his thing. I think it's fascinating considering his black dad was nowhere to be found, but his white mom and grandma raised him. But Hey, you know, I'm going to do me. Sage, Sage, honey, Sage, baby. What are you talking about? Just be. If a white set of parents raise a black child, is that black child still not black? Hmm. Has their racial makeup changed? I'm very confused. So you personally don't want to identify as a black person. Fine. Whatever. That's your penchant. That's your thing. You and Tiger Woods can have it. Uh, Barack Obama and Halle Berry and so many other biracial people choose black because a that's part of their identity and B it's, it's recognizable in them. If this was different times, you too would be considered black, right? Not even passing. Like with your features, like we, and we can talk about that another time, but with your features and with your makeup and the the one drop and all that stuff like that, while it's outdated and, you know, we need to talk about the, the nuances to, you know, identification and how people, you know, see themselves. If this was a different time, you'd still be, you'd still be a nigger. (laughs) You'd still be black. You would still be black. Um, and third, like what an insult, what an insult to the the president. His black dad was nowhere near to be found. Like, and so he should just identify as white. Like you do realize that's really insulting. Anyway, Sage still got sat down by um, ESPN, which they really dragged their feet on, which a lot of people noticed. Um, because one Jamel Hill, who was way more talented, way more qualified, way better of a journalist and way more knowledgeable about sports was sat down immediately when she started talking about the, 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 the fact that her people's lives are important. And here goes Sage running her mouth, telling people, um, in, in so many words that vaccine mandates are ridiculous but the only reason why she's going to follow is so she can keep her job. But she says it's dangerous and scary, you know, talking about her employer 
and then and then insults a whole entire swath of people with her comments wild just wild sage wild continuing on um and i'll be reading from reuters for our next story uh a federal judge temporarily blocked the enforcement of texas's six-week abortion ban so you guys remember a few weeks back we talked about this abortion ban and how it's different from other abortion bans and how it literally empowers empowers people's families neighbors friends co-workers passerbys to essentially stalk their pregnant neighbors um to find out if they were pregnant to find out if they had an abortion and then to bring suit to them uh recently because tiktok is the people on tiktok talk not the app because the app i have major issues with and we've talked about that before but the folks the creators the brilliant minds over there that keep that app uh filled with great content decided that they were going to go over and crash the website by um reporting the website where people would report or like snitch in essence people went over there to crash the website and i thought that was y'all are just y'all are so funny like <laughs> just the way people think about stuff um but back to this story on wednesday a federal judge is issued a preliminary injunction to suspend texas's senate bill eight enforcement temporarily this law bars abortion in the state um once a fetal heartbeat can be detected usually around six weeks of pregnancy u.s district judge robert Pittman said that after the law came into effect in september quote women have unlawfully been prevented from exercising control over their lives in ways that are protected by the constitution end quote and quote this court will not sanction one more day of this offensive deprivation of such an important right and that's according to the washington post um Pittman later says it's six weeks of pregnancy many many women don't even know that they are pregnant the law makes no exceptions for pregnancies caused by rape or incest it also lets ordinary citizens enforce the ban rewarding them at least ten thousand dollars if they successfully sue anyone who helped provide an abortion after fetal cardiac activity is detected critics of the law have said have said this provision enables people to act as anti-abortion bounty hunters and that's a that's that's that (laughs) um in a 113-page opinion, Pittman took Texas to task. There's a lot of T's in that sentence. Pittman took Texas to task over the law, saying Republican lawmakers had controlled an unprecedented amount, um, unprecedented and transparent statutory scheme. And that's from um, the Associated Press. Well, that's good news. <laughs> that's good news. I, I'm still asking. I have been, I feel like I ask this at least once a month, Texas, y'all all right. Y'all all right down there. Ooh, excuse me. Um, y'all all right down there. Y'all, y'all, y'all making it y'all, y'all feel like safe. Um, Pennsylvania. I know we don't have much room to talk outside of like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, 
and maybe Harrisburg. But um, y'all are more than welcome <laughs> to come over here and just be safe and, you know, have a right to your own body. Um, also, elections are coming up in your state. So maybe instead of like fleeing the state, vote the people out that actually work against your own self-interest, um, which a lot of people are ready for. Like I was reading some comments on Twitter and y'all are just like, yo, let's do it. Let's get this man out of here. Um, Abbott needs to go. Uh, and that is it for the church announcements. Let's get to the mess and the message. All right. Welcome to the mess and the message. We're going to be talking about something. I wouldn't say it's controversial, but it makes people feel really uncomfortable, which a lot of the topics that we talk about here make people really, really uncomfortable. Um, but this is a woman to woman conversation that I want to have with white women. Um, particularly those who find themselves affiliated in close relationship with black women. Um, for anyone who doesn't find themselves identifying as any of those, you are more than welcome to stay and have this conversation. But my goal is to talk to white women. So recently, I, I don't know how I even subscribed to this newsletter, um, but I got a bunch of newsletters. Uh, from a woman's organization and the title in a bunch of these newsletters kept saying sis sis this sis that get this together sis so I'm thinking like oh this could be you know from one of the hair blogs I signed up for or you know so I'm thinking it's another black creator so I'm like oh okay well let me let me check this out let me see nope <laughs> not not another black creator in fact not a black person at all is a white woman um and I don't know why it hit me in the place that it hit me and so I needed to write out my thoughts and it also reminded me of a story that I wrote about on medium of something that happened on tiktok maybe this time last year and people have since forgotten about it um, or maybe earlier this year. I don't know. I'm getting the times mixed up. But the point is, <laughs> the point is this happened on TikTok because I was paying attention. Um, and it was a social media post heard all over TikTok. Basically, this user named Brat for You made a simple video. They were they used they and them pronouns. They recorded a video saying, if you're white, don't call me sis, point blank, period. It's a very clear, clear mandate clear understanding at this point looking at the video it's getting about it has received about 59 almost 60,000 likes probably in the millions of views at this point um uh it's a simple request if you're white don't call me sis from a black person a black human um but as with any of our simple requests, i.e. we say Black Lives Matter, everybody says all lives matter. Um, of course, their request was not met with understanding or respect, but rather with backlash, hatred, and the inevitable racism. Numerous people, including the majority of them, white women, responded to Brat for You's video comments, um, many making their own TikToks, finding some way to just disrespect Brat for You to call them racist or to completely ignore their boundary that they set when they said, 
don't call me sis. It's just a boundary. It's just a boundary. Um, everyone has boundaries, or at least you should. It's healthy. It's healthy to have boundaries. Um, after enough of this treatment, Brad for you shut the comments off on that video in particular. Oh, here it is. Um, it hasn't stopped the video from reaching over 1.5 million views at the time of this post, um, at the time of this recording, probably it's going to get a lot more because people are so reactive and want to watch it. Um, reactions were just completely disrespectful. Um, one post which has since been removed literally takes brat for you sound from the tiktok video where she asked not to be where they sorry excuse me where they asked not to be called sis and places it over an ape and we've already talked about why calling black folks apes is racist like why that's just racist it's not mean it's not just mean rather it's not just like a, a mean thing to say it's not sticks and stones it's racist it's harping back to a racist past and a racist trope it is racist behavior um rather than taking the opportunity for free cultural education which a lot of y'all do like y'all there's black educators I'm not even talking about myself I'm talking about there's so many of them whom I've connected to recently so many great ones um and rather than taking the time for Rather than taking the time to listen to that free education, folks decided to just be disrespectful, to come out as just just nasty. And, and, and they didn't even take the time to even ask. They didn't even take the time to ask Brad for you why, why they didn't want to be called sis in the first place. Um, they decided that it was better to put Brad for you in, her, in their place. Um, to call them names or just be flat out just terrible people. Turns out, Brad for You has a very valid reason for not wanting to be called cis by white people. And it has everything to do with the word cis itself. So let's dive into this. Cis is a shorter version of sister, right? Sister shows relation, shows connectivity. When used in the context of African American Vernacular English or AAVE, what people outside the culture would call Ebonics, which I don't know why y'all still call it that. Um, it shows kindred. It shows kinship. It shows a collective connection that black folks are united somehow as family. Brat for you doesn't feel that same kinship with white people. We don't have a lot of the same shared experiences. We don't have the same cultural connections. We have few collective understandings between us. Therefore, as a part of their boundary, they simply don't want to be called cis with people who don't, they don't feel connected to, right? That doesn't seem, that doesn't seem weird. That doesn't seem strange. That doesn't seem outlandish, like an outlandish request. Don't call me cis because I'm not your sister. Makes sense. Unfortunately, to make matters worse in this situation, the desire for white people to use African-American vernacular English is at best uncomfortable for most black folks and at worst, a form of hateful expression. Sure, white people can use AAVE, African-American vernacular English, but usually when they do, it's used in jest, as a joke, or as something trendy, or at worst, to make fun of black people. 
AAVE and and in a larger way, blackness is seen as trendy right now. Um, But it's always been, you know, a way to people parading around acting like black people has always been a way to completely disrespect or make fun of black people. Um, It's used to make us the butt of the joke. It's used as a safe place to express inter- people's internal biases of black people, right? Like I said, as best at best, it's a cool way to look edgy and cool in front of other white people and non-black people. Um, at worst, it's a way to let one's own inner anti-blackness fly free. Painting black folks as stupid or ignorant or lazy, all classic stereotypes of black people. As a black person who has been on the other end of this, it has never felt like kinship when a white woman calls me sis. It kind of feels like a passive aggressive attack, to be honest. It's the same with girl, you know, especially when like they're trying to imitate, you know, hearing other black people when when we say girl, you know, with the very long, like exaggerated Earl part. It feels passive aggressive. It feels like like a nasty attack. It doesn't feel like you're my kin, you're my friend, you're my family. You get what I'm saying? It feels like you're making fun of me in some type of way. And it's usually attached with some type of finger snap or a neck roll. Again, it feels like you're making fun of me. In the same, in the same, I'm sorry, the same with any vari- variation of girl or sister girl or girlfriend. It's not... It's not inclusive. It's uncomfortable. Back to AAVE in general. Clearly, a a lot of black people do not speak the same way. Obviously, I get that. A lot of people don't. A lot of black people don't even use AAVE. Um, And, uh, you know, it's just the same as white people. Not all white people speak the same way. Um, A lot of the sentiments surrounding white people using AAVE actually would be different if that was the way the white person using it happened to speak. And even still, black people can and do reserve the right to what we request to be called or not be called, what we request to be referred to or not be referred to. And guess what? That right ought to be respected. It deserves to be respected. It's... Y'all remember how I jumped on... Um, What's that girl's name? Aquafina? Y'all remember when I jumped on Aquafina about using AAVE and, you know, speaking with a black scent and all these other things and why that was a problem? Because that's not how she naturally speaks. And when she does speak like that, it's usually for comedic purposes, i.e. to make fun of, i.e. to point and say, ha ha ha, isn't the way that I'm talking funny? And it's the way a lot of black people speak you see how that's a problem how that's a problem it's that same sentiment it'd be different if that was how she actually spoke it'd be different if that's how she actually interacted it'd be different if if that was in every role that she played or not necessarily every role but like every interview that you heard her like when she was being herself that's what came out it's not what came out she used it as a stepping stone to get to where she wanted to go and get the attention that she needed. Meanwhile, people who actually do speak like that 
are left at the sides of sidelines or margins and in addition to that made fun of it's not okay it's absolutely not okay so what happens instead of people you know taking what brat for you and what i and what many others have said as like hey could you could you not do this you know it makes me feel a type of way rather than have that be respected is the person not taking us seriously they choose to belittle instead of respecting the boundary they choose to take the very thing that we don't want to be called and use it as a weapon there was numerous numerous videos of people after brat for you says hey don't call me sis people calling them sis people calling them sis right afterwards and it's like hey sis um i have a better idea um how about you not make everything great about race sis and it's like you you feel like it's your job to put this person in place and then it's just it's just it's just jarring that y'all just feel so comfortable trying to humble black people for doing a healthy thing they say hey you don't know me like that. Don't call me that. We're not cool like that. We're not on that same level. I'm setting a boundary with you. It's the same stuff with Katie Couric. Remember Katie Couric? The story that we talked about earlier? Uh, Denzel Washington set a boundary. He said, I'm not, I'm, I'm a human being. I can do other things in essence. And rather than taking, oh, this is a boundary. Let me respect it. Nah, she was like, mm -mm, nope. I, I was, I was shaking. I don't know why he jumped on me like that. Is it something inside of you that's really uncomfortable with black confrontation? Was he threatening to you, or are you uncomfortable with black threat, um, black confrontation? Was he actually jumping down your throat, or are you uncomfortable with black people drawing a line, drawing a line rather? Was he? aggressive with you or are you just not used to black people speaking to you that way you see you see how different things start to come up maybe it wasn't them maybe it was you <laughs> you see regardless about how anyone feels about aabe slang cultural vernacular one thing is abundantly clear especially in this situation. If you as a white person are more concerned with your right to say whatever you want more than you are with respecting a black person's boundary on what they wish to or not to be called, the problem therein does not lie within the black person. The problem therein lies within you. And that's the end of the mess in the message. Let's get to the wrap up rant and blacks in the deep end. All right, time for our wrap up rant and blacks in the deep end. So for those who have, you know, real lives <laughs> offline and things like that, um, you probably didn't notice that little two little apps, three little apps went down this week and it was Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. It was a massive outage. Um, massive, massive outage. 
at Facebook, which affected Instagram, which then affected WhatsApp, which, you know, WhatsApp is not really popping, popping like here in the United States, but like around the world, WhatsApp is like a major way that people, you know, communicate with their family and friends. So the fact that that went down, the fact that Instagram was down, the fact that Facebook was down, um, and the way it was described to me as Facebook, it's like, though, I'm trying to think of like how to put this. So basically the roadmap to Facebook was burned up. So the way, the way our phones and devices connect to Facebook, there was no way to get there. And that was down, but it was also, you know, people's key cards, like employee employers, I'm sorry, employees couldn't get into Facebook. They couldn't even get into their emails. Their key cards didn't work to get into the building. Um, communication was shut off from, you know, the security folks who could get to the servers or who could let the trained professionals get into the servers and yada yada it just goes on and on and on and on and on and it made us really sit and look and think about a lot of different things uh first thing is um the amount of people who came out and was like yo this is why you shouldn't have everything online and stuff like that and like all right we get that we understand that um but at the same time this is the way of the future like i know y'all want coal to come back but coal's not coming back (laughs) coal is not coming back people work online now that is how people make money um but this situation was a major outlier situation that should have never have happened it should never have happened um It also highlights the problem with monopolies, that Facebook is a monopoly when it comes to these services. Um, I was on a Zoom call with one of my one of my dear partners and one of the staff of the partners kind of sneered about the whole thing. She's like "Um, Facebook going down, Instagram going down. That's wild that that's making the news now. But like if you've been paying attention anywhere within the last five years you would know like oh no this is like a big deal this is a big problem and it's a big problem not because people want to post their cat videos and updates with their grandma and things like that but like this is how people run their businesses this is how people work um this is how you know influencers share their campaigns this is where people have their entire platforms and you know, with Facebook, you know, looking at all of these different apps and just buying them up left and right, we really need to discuss how our social media platforms are being monopolized. Not to mention Facebook is in some hot water because recently a whistleblower came out and shared hundreds of documents, thousands of documents that show how Facebook is doing the exact opposite of what Mark Zuckerberg said that they're doing. Like, Zuck said that they're trying to make these platforms safer, you know, saying all the usual CEO stuff, especially in the age of misinformation. This whistleblower has documented proof that that is the exact opposite of what Facebook is doing because they know that while they're supposed to be making things safer, 
um, why they're supposed to be blocking misinformation. They also know <clears throat> if they cause any controversy, people will stay online longer. People will get exposed to ads more. They'll also get more money because of that. <clears throat> and how people go to Facebook as their news rather than their entertainment. Um, and so, yeah, Facebook is in trouble. Facebook is in big, big, big trouble. Um, a lot of people are calling out like a lot of people didn't even realize that Facebook owned Instagram, which I'm wondering why, how, like as soon as you open the app, it says a Facebook company, it shows the logo of Instagram. It says a Facebook company at the bottom of your screen. So I'm wondering how you would have missed that. But also like, why, why is, why is Instagram, why does Instagram belong to Facebook? Like, why aren't these two separate? Why aren't all of our social media platforms separate? So there needs to be further discussion about this. There needs to be further talk about this because, you know, like I said, people's whole occupations are connected to these apps and it's different when one app goes down. But having so many apps go down, especially critical apps like WhatsApp, like how people talk to their families and friends, um, especially in the time of COVID, like, don't do this. Don't do this. Um, that's it for the wrap up rant. Uh, let's talk about our black owned business of the week. I'm going to highlight Anima Iris. Anima Iris is a black luxury company that produces some of the most gorgeous bags I've ever seen. Um, I recently got my hand on the Zaza Grande bag that they have and I got it in this, it's called the Zaza Grande Honey. Um, I got it. It's this brown, sumptuous, really soft leather, uh, with this beautiful twisted handle. And it's so ladylike and so chic and so elegant. Um, and I just, I love the thing. I have no place to go and nowhere to carry it. Um, pet peeve of mine, random pet peeve. I don't like when people say wear bags cause you don't technically wear it. You carry it. It's like saying wearing a backpack. You don't wear a backpack. You carry a backpack. It's, it's, it's petty. It's a petty pet peeve of mine, but yeah, you don't wear it. You, you carry it. Like you wear a coat, you wear a shirt, you wear pants, you wear socks, you carry a bag. It's like a portion of your body is inside of these items of clothing, articles of clothing. A bag is not an article of clothing. A bag, a bag is an accessory. Just a little pet peeve. Um, but Anima Iris produces some of the most beautiful bags. Very, very luxurious. Just really, really elegant. I really, 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 really like them. So, yeah, check out Anima Iris. You can check them out on Instagram if Instagram sticks around. And um, at their site. And that is it for this week's episode of the Reclaim Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your subscribes. If you have not subscribed and wherever you listen to this, if you can subscribe, go ahead and subscribe. If you have not shared, feel free to share. Um, you can share every episode you want. There's like 142 of these things. Um, please, please, please feel free to share. Um, don't forget to leave a review wherever you're listening listening to this if you can leave a five-star review leave it with you know some words so people know what the show is about 
know how you're feeling about it, I would really, 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 really appreciate that. Also, don't forget that you can keep this show independent um, by joining the coolest patrons on the planet, my patrons, um, at Patreon. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Whitney Elise. That's where I release um, exclusive content, additions to the podcast, all kinds of stuff just for that audience. Um, and I would really, really appreciate you guys joining me over there. There's multiple tiers. You don't, there's no pressure. If you want to change tiers, totally fine. Um, you'll still have access to all of the content. Um, and yeah, you could just join me there where we have fun and talk about things in our own little gated community. Um, other than that, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, stay well, be well. Oh, before I end the show, (laughs) before I end the show, I I should have wrote this down. I meant to. Uh, Announcement. The Reclaim podcast is turning three. Not this episode, next episode. And I want to do something cool. I want to do something fun. So I am going to do a mailbag episode where you guys send in your questions Um, and I directly answer them. I want to do something, something different. Three years of podcasting. That's, I originally started this and I said I was going to do this for like 10 episodes and see how it goes. And you guys keep coming back every week. You keep supporting the show. You keep leaving great reviews. You keep sharing with your family and friends. You keep joining the Patreon. So we out here and we out here together. So i deeply deeply appreciate you guys if you guys have any questions anything you want to me to talk about on the episode on the mailbag episode on a three-year episode I would love that I'm so excited um to do that so yeah send in your questions to the reclaimed blog at gmail.com at you can add me at on social at the reclaimed on instagram and twitter uh, you can hit me up on TikTok at the Reclaimed Blog, um, and yeah, that's everything. That's all the places. I'm in a lot of places. Uh, but thank you, thank you so much again. Be well, stay well, and peace, y'all.